Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. The last two days have been wow. You can't even put... If y'all missed the first two days, I feel bad for y'all. Y'all should have called off of work, told Boo you, you could go on a date on Monday, but y'all missed out on some stuff. God broke through in this atmosphere, and the glory showed up. I believe that today's not going to be any different. I'm not here for religion. I'm not here for church. I'm here for radical encounter with God. I'm here so that the angels of the Lord and the glory of the Lord can show up and show out in ways like you've never seen before. How many people have been blessed so far? How many people are waiting for next year's prophetic conference? Can we just honor your pastor? You can stand up and let him know how amazing he is. Shout out, First Lady. I call her a superwoman. She be carrying two babies like this, breastfeeding both of them at the same time. Like, Jesus, this is miraculous. Okay, I brought the baddest shorty here with me. The most impressive woman I know. She is spiritually, emotionally, physically appealing in every way. Seven and a half months pregnant and don't even look like she bad. My chick bad. My chick good. Whirly, whirly, whirly. Sometimes I forget I'm in church. I'm ready for a move. The move's already here, but I'm ready for more. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. For everyone who knows my son, Makai, today is his sixth birthday. So he takes checks, money orders written out to my name. I'm just kidding, y'all. And then he takes cash, too. So if you want to give him cash, you can just come to me after church. I receive all the cash for him, and I'll make sure I hold it. You know when parents say, I hold the money for you? You know what that means. You ain't never seeing that money again. My parents been holding. They got at least $4,000 that they held for me over the years, and I never seen that money. My son had the nerve to say, well, dad, I gave you money to hold. I said, there's a light bill. I said, that's where the money went to. It was held on the lights. Second Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four. We're going to start reading at verse one. Second Kings, the fourth chapter. And we're going to start reading at verse one. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't, say glory. glory. 
Saints. Saints is right there, though. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditors is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Oof. When you really get connected to a prophet, God will begin to ask you, what can I do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. And she said, your maid servant has nothing. Then she remembers, except a little bit of oil. Then he said to her, go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her. And her sons who brought the vessels to her and poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go. Sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons will live on the rest. The title of my sermon today is, and it just literally came to me because I was fighting it all day long. Lord, what am I going to call this? And the Lord said, entitle it, The Overflow in the Secret Place. The Overflow in the secret place. This story is one, y'all know me. If I'm starting off slow, that means the freight train is coming in about six minutes. Right? Y'all know how I flow. So I might start off at this pace, but there's a freight train come. I learned from this one evangelist who comes to my church. She's one of the baddest preachers that I know. Her name is Latrice Ryan. She starts off with this southern accent, all sweet, like she's going to be nice and prissy and bougie. But then when she gets into it, she kicks you in the stomach, punches you in the throat, body slams you. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to move in that flow tonight. This story is one that's very interesting to me. It starts out with a woman who is married to a prophet. You see, marriage to a prophet is not easy. 
I knew she would have said amen on that. Prophets, we move a little bit different and we're a little bit funny. There's times we don't want to talk to anyone. There's times we want to be in isolation. There's times you feel like you just want to pray and you don't want anyone to bother you. There are moments where you start feeling the heart of God about something and someone thinks you're crazy, but it's not you feeling what you're feeling. It's literally God putting his emotions on you and his feelings on you for a nation, for a people, for a community. There's times when I get around people because I'm a prophet. I just say, whoa, what's going on? And I literally walk away because I can sense what's going on in the spirit see she was married to a prophet and the prophet died and at this point she had nothing left then God showed me something in the spirit that was really interesting he said anytime the church starts trying to kill the prophetic voice then you will be in lack Oh, okay, I'm going to say this again. There are so many churches, denominations, and people who are trying to kill the prophetic voice. They don't want prophets to speak. They don't want prophets to reveal the word of the Lord. They don't want prophets to be in church. They want to run away from prophetic ministry. But the more the prophetic ministry dies is the more lack you'll be under. Once you allow prophetic ministry to come back in the church, what happens is that provision and prophetic ministry are married to each other. They're tied to each other. That's why the Bible says, obey the prophet and you shall prosper. There is money attached to the prophetic. There is wisdom attached to the prophetic. There is direction and correction attached to the prophetic. As soon as the church starts kicking out the prophets, the church kicks out the voice of God for the next generation. But I'm here to let you know there's a church arising who will not allow the prophets to be kicked out. There's a church arising that will not allow the prophetic voice to be silenced by the spirit of Jezebel. There is a prophet. Oh, I need about three people who know there's a prophetic wind coming on the people of God where they're allowing the prophets to arise. I believe life church prophets are arising in the house. I believe in the body of Christ prophets are arising in the house don't let the prophetic ministry die because when the prophetic ministry dies your abundance dies I'm going to share a few testimonies with you because what prophets do is that prophets put you on a course for you to get what God has for you I was preaching at Winter's Church after the service. Pastor Patrick came to me. He said, when you prophesied over me in October, I was applying for affordable housing. He said, I kept getting denial letters. They didn't want to give me affordable housing, and I was disappointed. I got to the point where I said, I'm giving up on this thing. And you came, and you gave me a prophetic word, and said, the Lord says, where you're, leave, where you're living, you need to move, and God's going to make a way. And he knew at that moment, I need to reapply for public housing. 
See, there's some stuff you're going to give up on. But when a prophet comes into your life, the prophet gives you a confirmation. Yeah, I know you haven't been able to have babies, but I'm here to let you know that you're about to come and... I know that you're not able to finish school and every time you try you've been on delay but I'm here to let you know prophetically that everything that's been on delay is over and you're about to step into your new season you're about to step into your new house you're about he said, I almost gave up he said but I decided to reapply he said so when I reapply he was like, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I get a call a few months later. We want you to come look at this apartment. The perfect place for him and his family to live. He loves it. And they said, yeah, everything is good now. All you need is one little thing, and then we're finished with the process. See, this is why you need prophetic ministry. Prophetic ministry literally puts you in the right direction. All right, there was one other testimony from Tayo and Pastor Jacques. Last time I went there, huh? Oh, and the, oh, there was so many testimony. Everyone was coming to me. The Lord, yo, this was confirmed. When, that's why you got to pull on the prophet when he's around. Some of y'all don't know how to pull. That's why you haven't gotten a word all conference. Once you start pulling on the prophet, then words start flowing. Every time there's a prophetic person, I'm like, my cosa. I start praying in tongues. No joke. Right? Every time a prophet comes to the church, they give me a prophetic word because I'm putting myself in position. I said, if the man of God is speaking the heart of God, I want to know what God's saying about me. I want to know my future. I want to know what God is speaking over me. I want to know what my destiny looks like. I come up to the front and the person's preaching. And I'm like, what's the word? I don't care. You're going to give me a prophetic word. And the person says, you're so annoying. The Lord says... prophetic people no joke all of my friends every time they get around me they're like prophet Raman Soko you got a word for me because they're pulling look at this look, look so so Tayo and Pastor Jacques last time I was there Pastor Jacques was jumping up and down he was, he was jumping like high I didn't even know he could jump like that I said my god and then I said, the Lord says, you just jumped into your new four-bedroom house. Then I corrected myself. I said, no. The Lord says, you just jumped into your four-two-five-bedroom house. Then I, after I said that, I was like, that was kind of weird. <laughs> so they told me that they went to go check out houses. They said they went to go check out a house in a neighborhood that they weren't even interested in. But as soon as they walked in the house, they're like, this is it. And they said, we need the confirmation to know that this is the house that God gave us. So they go through the rooms. There's four rooms. But there was an extension that was built. <laughs> a few years ago. And the woman in the couple says, that's not a room, that's an extension. But the man in the couple says, that's a room and not an extension. So literally, their house is a four to five. I'm here to let you know you need a prophet. You need a prophetic word to put you on course to your destiny.
Guess what? They just signed the papers. They're going to move into their house. Uh, I need about three people to shout on that. If you believe that your house is coming, your breakthrough is coming, your miracle is coming, your supernatural. Oh, where are the hungry folk tonight? Where are the pullers tonight? Where are the women who will go through the crowd and press until they get their miracle? was I at? I feel so good. So prophet's her husband the prophet is dead. So you know what she does? She goes to Elijah Elisha and she goes your servant is dead. He used to serve you. He was under your school of the prophets. He was one of the prophets who served you and they're about to take my kids. They're, you know when 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 you allow prophetic ministry to die, it destroys your future. Because what happened to her is the scripture says that the creditors were going to take her kids. They were not even going to bother with her. Some of you are robbing your future by not allowing access to prophetic ministry and not being open to, oh, I feel something. Y'all need this more than you think. I'm in the vein of the house. You need this. You need prophetic ministry. So they were going to take her children, creditors, and she comes to Elisha and she says, I don't want my kids to be taken. What should I do? And the prophet looks at her and says, what do you want me to do for you? Then he asks her a second question, and this is my first point right here. He asks her a question. He says, what is in your house? That's my first question to you. The first thing that a prophet would do and the first way to enter into overflow is to recognize what God's given you. Okay. You know, here's the problem with a lot of people. They're all concerned with what God's doing in everyone else's life. All they do is talk about everyone else. Oh, look at what Matthew Stevenson is doing. Look at what T.D. Jakes is doing. Look at this person who does hair just like me. Look at all the people that are following them on Instagram. Oh, look at this person. We went to high school together, and they got a boo already. They got a car already. They got a house already. You, you got to stop focusing on what everyone else has. What has God put in your house? Stop focusing on what everyone else's house has. You see, some of y'all are part of churches, but you're focused on what every other church is doing. What is Mike Todd's church up to? What is the church down the block doing? How are they doing things? No, no, no. What has God placed in the house? Because everything you need for your miracles already in you. You don't got to go on the outside to get it because the Bible says greater is it he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got everything you need to do what God's called you to do. You got all the tools. You got all the strategies. You got everything that you need to accomplish the will and the work of God over your life. You don't have to search out for anything else. God put inside of you an anointing. Notice. Notice her verbiage. She goes, prophet, I have nothing in my house. 
And then she remembers. You know, sometimes you look at what you have and you call it nothing. But your nothing in the hand of God is something really big. That's why they came to Jesus. All we have is five loaves. And all we have is five loaves. Jesus didn't ask them how little they had. He just wanted to know what they had. All we got is a measly gift. All we got is a measly prayer. All I got is a measly tongues. All I have, come on, is a little bit of measly faith. I don't got much. God says, perfect, I can use it. What's the little you have that you're looking down on? What's the little gifting that you have that you're trying to play and act like it's nothing? What's the little anointing that God's given you that you're saying it ain't much? I dare you to take that little, put it in the hands of a big God, and watch him multiply. Because that's what he does. He takes the little you give him, you put it in his hands, and he breaks it, and he multiplies it. I'm here to prophetically let you you know your season of multiplication is here I know the math doesn't make sense when you look at your bank account I know the math doesn't make sense when you look at what's going on in your life but the spirit of the Lord says that if you would trust me I'll take five loaves and two fish and I'll feed over 5,000 and then have 12 baskets left of overflow baby you're about to walk into it notice what she has she goes I only have a small jar of oil my question to you is got oil there's some miracles there's no miracle that can happen without oil some of you have been walking around dry with no oil. I remember a few years ago, I had a, a Nissan Altima. That was my baby. Beautiful. She, uh, I liked her a lot. But my Nissan Altima started getting old, and it had this major oil leak where every day I had to go buy oil and pour it in before I could even drive it. Oil was getting everywhere. But what happened was one day I forgot to put the oil in. So I'm driving in my car. So, you know that noise. Some of y'all still got hoopties. But I believe God's going to elevate you. I said, yo, what's going on? I'm checking. I remember to start smoking up everything. My car didn't want to drive. You know why my car was stuck? Was because I had no oil. The engine was cool. The brakes were okay. I had tires. Everything on the outside seemed good, but what was on the inside? Some of you, you got everything. You got the right look. You got the right talk. You know how to do all the church isms. You know how to lift up your hands, you know, but you ain't got no oil. And you wonder why you've been stuck in life. You will be stuck if you have no oil. 
Oil is what gives you momentum. Oil is what gives you movement. Oil is what gets your engines pumping. Oil is what gets into your pistons and allows you to move with an energy and a force. Oil is that thing that's the difference on your job. When the boss wants to fire everyone else but wants to keep you, that's called oil. When people, uh, when there's no favor around but you're stepping into a season of favor, that's called God oil, baby. I know you may be struggling. I know the economy doesn't look good, but my economy is good because I got something about oil that it changes stuff. See, I can't focus on what I, I don't have. I have to focus on what I do have. Notice the prophet wanted to get her attention to what she had already inside of her. Most of you, you want to, your first focus is to focus on what you don't have. See, the only way for you to step into certain things God has for you or God wants to give you is when you start celebrating what you already have. Some of you, you are professional complainers. I was reading this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. There were three sins that made the children of Israel die in the desert. The first sin was sexual immorality. The second sin was idolatry. You know what that means? They were literally praying to idols. And then the third sin seems like it didn't even make sense in the context, complaining. So God is putting complaining on the same level as sexual sin and praying to idols. My God, some of y'all are going to get free from complaining today. Everything is a complaint, especially us Caribbean people. Complaint is literally a part of our Literally, it's a part of our language. We need to get that old spirit out. The spirit of our ancestors of complaining and get the spirit of Christ inside of us that says, I'm glad for what you've given me. And when you put yourself in that position, God can give you more. Complainers are always broke. Complainers are always struggling. I made a decree, you remember, babe, a few months ago? I said, I'm doing everything without complaining and arguing. I have not had 100% on my test, but I've been doing pretty well. Oh, she's clapping, good. I've been trying my hardest. It could be something I have. I just start speaking in tongues. I go to praising instead of complaining. See, some of y'all need to start changing your language. Replace the complaining with, God, I know my house is leaking, but at least I got a roof to live in. God, I know I got a hoopty, but there's people in the world who don't even have a car. God, I thank you that I got to take the bus. I know. I break off the spirit of complaining off you. You will not die in your wilderness complaining. You know, you know, I actually read this. God only wanted them to be in the wilderness for one year just so that he could take care of the, uh, the enemies, the Amalekites and all the other enemies that were there. Guess what? A one-year testing became a 40-year journey of death and destruction because of complaining.
How many of y'all been delaying your destiny complaining? But today's the last day. I won't complain. Come on. I, I won't complain anymore about it. Because you know what? When you complain, you lack the fear of the Lord. Because what you're telling God is that I got a better plan than you. Oh, I'm sovereign. I'm smart. I'm wise enough to do it on my own. And I think your plan sucks and my plan's amazing. Keep complaining and telling God his plan is trash. Oh, this is good. God's plan is not trash. God got a plan to prosper you and to give you a future. So you got to focus on what you, what you have. I got so much stuff, but I'm not, I can't. There was a few people, they looked at me, they said, Negro, you better not. I'm hungry and I want to go eat. I better look the other, I'm looking straight. Look at some people, they, some people, you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. You come to church so angry and upset. Loose here, devil. Put some joy on the inside of you. Is life that miserable you can't even smile? What's wrong with you? Why are you so upset? Heck, like everyone hates you. No one hates you. And if everyone hates you, God loves you. The Bible even says laughter is like a medicine. So when you put a smile on your face and you start laughing, God can start healing some stuff in your life. I dare you to begin to laugh at the devil. Begin to laugh. <laughs> so the first thing the man of God did was identify what she already had. And here's the second thing, and it correlates with the first thing, because you can never get the second thing without the first thing, is that he identified what she needed. Because there's stuff you have, let's be honest, but there's still stuff that you have to go after. I would be a fool to think that I hit the cap of what God has in my life. I would be a fool to think that this is it. Ooh, I'm moving in prophetic ministry. Thank you, Lord. This is all. No, I'm hungering for more. I'm thirsting for more. I'm going after more. You can ask my wife, this week I was seeking the Lord. I fasted for three days. I did a complete fast. I said, Lord, I want your presence. I said, I want your glory. What I have is not enough. Most people be like, oh my God, but you know, you're good. You preach, the anointing. Nope, there's more. See, what happens is, Prophetic people will let you know what you have inside of you and then put a demand for you to go after what you don't have. So I'm going to show you right in the text. She has, she has oil, a little bit of oil in the house. Prophet goes, perfect. Prophet goes, now here's what you're missing. There's some vessels that you need to go get. So go around the neighborhood and get me vessels. But he was very specific about the type of vessels he wanted her to get. It wasn't just any type of vessels. I want you to get empty. Ooh, I want to talk right here. Because imagine this woman, right? Can we imagine a little bit? She is a widow. 
Her husband had just died. You know how many people were trying to do nice things for her when she came over? Let me put you out some food. Let me put you out some stuff that I got here. The prophet didn't ask for her to come with filled vessels. The prophet said, I want empty vessels. So she had to empty out something that probably could have benefited her in the moment to get something that was going to benefit her lifetime. Sometimes you got to let go of something that's good right now, that feels good to your flesh right now, that's appealing to you right now, that you are so in love with right now in order to get what God got for you in the and if you can't let that go you won't have a successful blessed and prosperous future a lot of your future is literally uh, uh, relegated uh, to the fact of what you're letting go now this is about to let go of pain rejection hurt relationships People who I knew, nah, 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 you ain't for me. People who I knew, if I get connected with you, my destiny's over. People who I knew, oh man, you're in trouble. Sometimes you got to let something go right now that feels good, that can literally fill a void that you have right at that moment for the better that God's going to give you. God will make you let go of good for better. Because not everything that's good is God. Ask Adam, baby. Ask Eve. Because the tree looked. But what's good is not always God. So some of you are seeking after, oh, this seems so good. No, 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 but I got better for you. But you've been. Oh, I like this. Oh, yeah, the man is good, but he's, he's not the better. The woman is good, but she's not. I'm not sabotaging my future for good when God has great. I'm not sabotaging my future of amazingness. I know it's not a word. I made it up. For something mediocre because it feels good in the moment. Oh, I'm going to take this job. It pays me $12 an hour. It's good. No, God wanted to give you a job that was going to pay you $40 an hour. But you settled. You didn't even pray. Okay, this must be the job. I haven't been working for six months. No. Don't settle for good when God got great for you. So God said, you got to come with empty vessels. You know what empty vessels symbolize? It symbolizes us emptying ourselves out to God. Saying, God, I'm going to let go of everything so that you can fill me with your oil. So... She comes back to the house, and she got all these empty vessels, different sizes, different shapes, different colors, because God is not a respecter of person. He's a respecter of hunger. I like that. I'm going to say that again. Y'all better put that on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. God's not a respecter of person. He's a respecter of hunger. He don't care how you look. He don't, care. he don't care if you're 12 years old, 10 years old, 2 years old. If you want him, he will fill you. Yeah. 
I know seven-year-olds more filled than most of the people in the room. There's one kid in our church. He's seven years old. This man come up to the front. When we casting out demons, he's like, in the name of Jesus. Y'all be running when demons come. Because God's not a respecter of age. He's not a respecter of color. He's not a respecter of culture. He's a respecter of hunger. Where are the hungry people tonight? God is going to fill you to overflow. So she comes to all these empty vessels. She comes all this emptiness. And the prophet gives her instructions. Here's the last instruction, and here's the last thing that I'm going to let you know. In order to enter overflow, the overflow that comes through the secret place, here is the last thing. The prophet says, God's going to do something. But you and your sons need to go into a room, close the door, Take the jar of oil and just start pouring in the empty vessels. A closed door in this context is a symbol of a secret place. It's the same type of place that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6 when he talked about prayer. He says, when you go into prayer, don't be like the hypocrites who are out in the street corner screaming, ah, in the name of Jesus. He said, go into your secret place. Close the... When was the last time you got into your secret place and closed? As soon as he got... She got into the secret place with her sons. She closes the door. The oil starts flowing. You want the oil to flow? Get into your secret place. Your prayer closet will make oil flow so fast out of your life, you don't even know. As soon as you start getting to that secret place, what's going to happen is attacks are going to come first, and then glory is going to come after. The secret place is always the place that God pours out more than you've ever imagined. God wants to bring us back to the secret place, saints. See, there's no shortcut to the glory of God. There's no shortcut to the power of God. There's no shortcut to tapping into things you've never seen before. It's called the secret place. Here's the... I want you to just lift up your left hand right now. It's when you're prophetic, sometimes God just has to interrupt you. I want you to say, Lord, I declare your oil will flow over my head, over my head, and consume everything. In my life, if you believe it, shout glory. Glory! I just felt like an anointing. So yeah, (laughs) it's fresh oil. Look at this. So she gets into the secret place. She starts pouring. She starts pouring. 
every vessel, every shape, every size. It doesn't matter how it looked like, big vessels, small vessels, vessels with a lot of room, vessels that didn't have a lot of room, vessels that were contained, vessels that couldn't be contained. She poured into every container. She saw every vessel that was available, and guess what? The oil never stopped flowing. The only time the oil stopped was when the emptiness stopped. Oh, I'm going to say that again. The only time the oil stopped is when the emptiness stopped. When you stop being empty, the oil will stop flowing. I'm good. I've been in church for five years. Oil's going to stop flowing. Oh, yeah, when I lead, people, oh, they speaking in tongues. Oil's going to stop flowing. Oh, I go to church every Sunday. Oil's going to stop flowing. Well, I pray 20 minutes. Oil's going to stop flowing. As soon as you stop getting hungry and empty, the oil stops flowing. Tonight, the Lord wants the oil to flow. So he's asking all the people here, how hungry are you? How hungry are you? I'm going to end with this last story. I remember in Bible college, one of my delights was coming home and having a home-cooked meal. The reason why is because the food in Bible college, how can I say this and be respectful? So imagine what trash would taste like. No, I'm joking. Okay, y'all. I'm just, just laugh. I'm just, just, I was joking. With salt, with salt and pepper. And then the food in Bible college was still worse. It was terrible. It was the worst. It was, I could tell they didn't clean this chicken right. Most of us know what I'm talking about. You got to get a little bit of oil up. You got to get a little bit of uh, limes and lemons and vinegar and clean your food properly, saints. If I go to your house and you throw the chicken right on and you didn't clean it, I'm not eating your food. That's nasty. Y'all nasty. Some of y'all, I'm convicted, Lord. I'm going to go buy some lemons and limes. Sour sour oranges. That's where the anointing is, too. But the food was terrible. So I would always enjoy a home-cooked meal. I would drive home. Usually, the drive was about a three-hour drive. And so I would not eat breakfast at the school. I would not eat lunch at the school. 
I would leave as soon as everything was done. The chapel service was done at 1230. <laughs> no altar call. No, 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 no. There's a time for everything. And this is not the time, come on church, to be helamandia. This is the time to eat. I've been fasting long enough and this is my season of feasting. I would run out, get in my car, two and a half, three. I would make that three and a half hour trip, two and a half hours. Praying, Rokoda, police, you will not stop me. I am driving in stealth mode in the name of Jesus. But there was one particular day, skip breakfast, skip lunch, I end up hitting traffic coming to New York from Providence, Rhode Island on 95, right in Connecticut. Y'all know the traffic that I'm talking about, if you've ever been there. I said, I'm too hungry to wait for a home-cooked meal. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop at Burger King, get me a Whopper with fries and a milk chande, I call you, you, Did you feel that quickening? I felt it like, hey. Y'all know I'm silly. Eating my Burger King. Finally, I get back on the road. The traffic is done. By that time, I get home. My mom has prepared a feast for a king, <laughs> which is me. I'm just letting y'all know I'm the king in the story. She's like, not. That's what she calls me with a Haitian accent. Not. She says, not, let me put you a plate out. <laughs> I look at her, she's like, I made you your favorite food. This legume. Yeah. Hey, man, see. <laughs> yep. Some of y'all caught the revelation. All y'all black Americans and Jamaicans, what's a legume? But I looked at her after she spent all that time preparing a meal. I ruined my appetite. Being filled with something temporary but not satisfying. Two thousand years ago Jesus prepared a meal when he took the nail, the nails in his hands, the whip to his back. I don't usually cry when I'm preaching, but I really feel it. He took the crown of thorns on his head. 
and the nails in his feet. He prepared a meal for us. It was a meal to satisfy us. But a lot of us are being filled with things that are temporary but not satisfying. And God is saying, I want to fill you not with something that's temporary. I want to fill you with something that's satisfying. I don't want you to just live for the moment. I don't want you to live YOLO. It's going to do me. I prepared a meal for you. Think about it. The nails in his hands. The nails in his feet. The whip to his back. Skull crushing thorns to his head. I prepared a meal for you. But taking the temporary, yo, lust feeling good right now. Let me fill up on that. But I hear the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to fill you tonight. He's asking, where are the empty people? Where are those who are saying, God, I'm not going to fill up with things that don't matter. I want to be filled with you. Come on, everyone, and stand to your feet. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.